Welcome to Machine Learning. Well, I skipped yesterday, but um, in the process, I was looking at uh, um, statistical predictions like uh, correlations in swim times. And uh, what we're looking for is to see if uh, swim times improved between the finals and semifinals. And one way to accomplish that comparison is by fractional improvement and then use the empirical uh, cumulative density function ECDF to uh, uh, show the probability that um, different races would occur in the different time periods. So there are different uh, strokes that uh, are done in the race. You got the butterfly, the crawl, the breaststroke, um, and they have different uh, times. So the density function will, you'll get uh, uh, different density functions uh, for each one of those those type of events. So then the question is, is uh, if the uh, the null hypothesis is true. So what you're looking at then is, let's say we're looking at female uh, swim race and between the semifinals and finals, uh, you would take the, you take the, uh, you calculate the fractional improvement and then you could also calculate the p-value and see if your p-value is high or low. In the case where they were doing the comparison, it was like uh, 0.27. So it meant that uh, that one event was greater than the mean. So you calculate how many events are greater than the mean uh, divided by the total number of events, and that gives you that uh, percent. So um, uh, if you get a large number, that means that uh, the data comparison is larger for the most part than the mean, and um, the difference, you could calculate the difference too. And so then your p-value then would say whether or not, if you were, if you were less than 0 0.05, then you, would, you could say that uh, uh, you could reject the, uh, the differences and reject the null hypothesis. So the other thing too is what you're looking for is statistical significance. And, uh, and so what statistical significance is showing you whether things are random or not, uh, if, the, if the results are the results of randomness. Okay, so anyway, that was kind of interesting. and. Uh, I was able to to uh, graft out some uh, data and uh, treat it almost like a competition to see how how different uh, types of events were occurring that are time based. So I used the time series, set up my data frames, um, and then I was able to do horizontal plots to see how they compared, and then sorted those horizontal plots and so forth. Very interesting. Uh, got me to start uh, asking some questions and then thinking about how I could arrange the data so that 
I could test for the, the null hypothesis. Um, so in, in uh, robotics, I saw I read an article yesterday about how a company called Canvas is using robots to uh, do the drywall finishing. So the, the drywallers will come through really quick and put up the drywall. And these are in industrial buildings where you've got lots of square footage that have to be uh, taped and, and mudded and, and so it needs to be, you know, have a nice finish. And, uh, and uh, the robot um, uh, goes over the surface, uses uh, laser, scat, laser scat to detect uh, where the seams are and applies the, the mud. And, they, um, and it has a platform and it's autonomous, it moves. I guess they have in some cases where the, the robot might be under some supervision. Um, but it seems to be able to detect where the wall is and then apply the drywall, uh, the paste on, on in certain areas and then smooth it out. And it has machine precision, so when it's done, it is, the finish is just perfect. Um, and so the company is, uh, one thing, I think the founder uh, was originally a developer at Boston Dynamics and then he's used the open source library for object recognition and navigation and uh, been able to build uh, a prototype that's working. And so these prototypes, even though they're kind of bulky right now, I think uh, in time we'll, they'll get less bulky and uh, more, uh, more agile and uh, be able to do uh, work at a faster pace because that's what you're really wanting is higher levels of quality and at a uh, greater pace than a human being can do. And that's the, the beauty of machines. And that's always been why machines have been preferred over human beings to do work. Now, I've had a colleague who's like, why would you want to take away people's jobs, you know? And it's like, I had to laugh at him. I was like, uh, because it's actually very ridiculous to make that argument. It's um, it's like saying when the personal computer uh, came along, uh, and and people were doing the ten key uh, data entry, double entry on the accounting, uh, where you you type in one set of numbers and you type in another the same set of numbers twice, and then you check to see if your totals are correct. Uh, you know, we're no longer needed because the computer did that work, and uh, so. You know, there a lot of the 10 key work uh, was replaced by uh, automation software in the accounting world, and uh, and then larger ERP systems <coughs> provided lots of additional functionality that allowed companies to have uh, increased functionality without having to hire lots of people. And it, it just increased their functionality, uh, you know, through automation. And these type of, and what with a cost, it was expensive. But uh, the the uh, corporations are doing more with less less people, and that's going to be true in the realm of construction. Uh, one of the great barriers to construction has been 
uh, that uh, you know that there's uh, you know it's got different terrains, it's uh, different geometric shapes and so forth. But there is um, one of the arguments for electricians. Uh, for I think 48% uh, McKinsey said 48% of the group here in this area will not uh, be replaced by automation in the near future. But at the same time, we have uh, DexNet, which is using reinforcement learning, uh, CNMs, LSTMs, networks, and they've learned how to, with a uh, robotic hand, be able to turn a cube to a certain um, character on a wood block. Okay, so that's great that it can recognize objects in images and process those images and then uh, activate robotic algorithms for uh, manipulating the fingers to do uh, very detailed work. If you uh, now put this into harder problems and you uh, devote teams and you increase the uh, programming capabilities, then will they be able to build two dexterous hands that can uh, pull wire or connect wires up to circuit boards or install circuit boards, etc. Um, why is it that the human dexterity is such uh, so special? And uh, it's because you know we have the most efficient design uh, that God gave us, and, and it's just a wonderful design. It works great. We can handle things. We can visually inspect things. We can understand things abstractly. And uh, so we're modeling machines after a perfect design and the human body. <clears throat> Bipedal motion is fantastic. I saw this one thing where uh, they, they, they've used now springs like a, an ostrich leg and given people the ability uh, to using these springs to run 25 miles an hour like a world-class sprinter. And, uh, and you're just bouncing on these springs with your... Uh, with your legs. So we, there is some adaption to design that will give us the uh, ability to do superhuman things. Uh, and so the, you know, you have this element of bionics that uh, uh, can give you more than human capability. But the design itself structurally is, is a fantastic design. And uh, so electricians are working with uh, very detailed work. They're connecting wires. They're uh, pulling uh, lines. They're connecting them into uh, different uh, uh, equipment. And then they're loading software. They're, you know, they're doing everything that an electrician does. And, and, the, and that's very time-consuming. Now, there's another robot that's uh, the MIT's been inspecting that uh, assists carpenters. And so, you know, it can uh, take two by fours and it can move the two by, go over to a pile, extract the two by four, go over to the saw, activate the saw, and it will cut the, the two by four. And uh, so now it's not replacing the carpenter, but it's a carpenter assist system. So the robots are assisting the carpenter reducing the amount of time that he's having to do to walk uh, from one location to another. Now, that's great on a, on a one flat surface area, like if you're working in a room, but what if you have to go up and down stairs? 
and uh, you know you have your saw on the bottom floor and you have to uh, walk up uh, stairs to carry your your um, cut lumber up there well you know and then the other thing too is uh, with robot systems you could give uh, uh, all the it could do all the measurements in the room and then it could calculate the cuts and then it could start cutting the pieces and then as a as the carpenter gets the pieces he could assemble them and uh, and connect them to the walls and and make sure all the preci uh, precision cuts are, are are correct and so you know let's say that uh, that has a 30% reduction in the time so now you're using technology to reduce the time to uh, produce the things and that's that's kind of the benefits of robots we're working with humans is that it increases human productivity um, and so, you know, even in general assembly lines with automobile cars, there are certain areas where the unions uh, have protected against machines, and uh, and you know you have those type of jobs that uh, uh, require human intervention that have not yet had uh, a machine that's uh, capable of the same process. But every process can be programmed and machines designed. It's just the level of complexity and sophistication usually um, that is required and usually robots have a singular function they're not doing you know 20 different things they usually do one or two things really well well that's about ready to, that's about to change there'll be robots that work with other robots robots that are capable of doing multiple processes um, multiple uh, robots that are able to work in concurrency with uh, other robots to accomplish a task and so, uh, and in the case where I was looking at uh, Dexnet, they had one that was to, just a gripper. It just has open, closed gripper, but it inspects the object. Uh, then it figures out which way to pick up the object and puts it into a bed. And it could do like 200 or 300 objects uh, in an hour. Well, and then they did one where it said, well, it couldn't really figure out which way to pick it up. So it used a vacuum as kind of a fallback uh, way to pick up the object. Again, these are uh, algorithms that as they get better, as we get more comp cycles, uh, as computing is going up, their capability will go up. I think this was DexNet, Dexnet uh, 4. And, uh, you know, what will happen in 5? You know, maybe uh, um, it will be able to do more complex procedures than it can uh, now. And so uh, you enter into the, the world where um, <clears throat> people are now taking stuff that's in the open source world and learning it and universities are, are getting trained on usage of uh, that software and hardware. And so there's kind of this uh, co-op between business and university uh, to to gain an understanding and once there's that understanding then the new engineers will bring new ideas to the workforce and then once uh, companies start to innovate and they and the products prove to be um, profitable then more companies will immediately uh, start using that just like the way with power power nails uh, nail guns 
You know, it used to be that you'd have a carpenter and he would hammer the nails in. And uh, now it's all replaced with air guns. And the same will be, you know, with robots. Uh, once robots have get to be usable in construction, um, they'll become a standard.